As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I'm your host. And I have a spectacular, fantastic, amazing, wonderful human being on the show today. The guy's name is Doug Wing. His father is the inventor and founder of the Little Giant Ladder Company. And this is going to be fun. So stay with us. All right, and we are back, and I want to welcome my buddy Doug Wing to the show. Doug, welcome to the show. Hey, Ken. How are you? Good morning. Sorry about the uh, delay. We we actually had this planned uh, before, but I got sick. You did. You're the only person I've known this year to get heat stroke. Was that was that what it was? A heat like heat stroke or something? Yeah, yes. Uh, it's been really hot here this summer in Utah, and I usually play golf once or twice a week. Yeah. And I, I played golf. It was uh, real hot. And then a buddy called me, and he said, hey, uh, bring one of your cars. We're going to do a car show tonight. There's a car show in Salt Lake. So I went straight from golfing to this car show and was out in the sun for like eight, ten hours. And it, wow. it happened before, and the only cure for it is I had to go to the hospital and get some fluids. And it's it's a it's dehydration, right? Yep. Yeah, I ate like yeah. one meal that day and uh, and didn't drink enough. So yeah, I just well, hey, to- you know what? You're alive and doing well, and we are here today. So that's that's all that matters. Yep, it's great to be on your show. Thank you so much. I, I I'm honored that you're here, man, because I know you don't do a lot of this, and and um, we met through our mutual buddy Jeffrey Gittimer. And, um, he's, he's been saying like, you you need to get Doug wing on your show. He's an amazing dude. So, um, but you know, I, I created this show to help people get unstuck and, and it's been two and a half years now. Jeffrey's wife was actually the very first guest on my show, Jennifer. Um, and, and so, you know, let's, let's start with, you telling everybody where you were born and raised. 
Well, I was born in Germany, and uh, and uh, I guess the reason the the reason I was born in Germany is my father was in the military in the army, and uh, he was on a missile base in Germany, and uh, and so my mom was from Germany, and and as a result, uh, I was born right outside of Stuttgart, Germany. Wow. So, so how does so she's from Germany? Your, your mom, mom. From Germany, yes. And my father was again in the military. My mom uh, worked at a. Uh, my mom worked in the mayor's office there in a local town. My dad, for some reason, had to go and do some business over in this mayor's office. And he saw my mom, <laughs> and he liked her. And but the funny thing was, is she didn't speak any uh, English. She didn't speak any German, and. Wow. And he just showed up at her house one day and she slammed the door in his face because her dad, my grandfather, he said, don't, don't ever marry a Catholic and don't ever marry uh, an American. Well, we weren't Catholic. I mean, we're from Utah, but yeah. uh, anyway, so, and then he just, he, my dad didn't give up. He was very persistent and he eventually, you know, kept coming back until she talked to him. <laughs> so. Wow. So, so how does that work? Like, I, so she's automatically allowed to just come to the U.S., I guess? I, I think so. You know, if you're obviously, if you are married to someone who's in the military, it was, I think it was pretty easy for her to get her citizenship. But yeah. yeah. So I only lived in Germany for, you know, a short time and then moved back to Utah. Uh, Springville, Utah, which is where my father was born and raised and where Little Giants corporate headquarters is. And then we we actually moved back to Germany when I was about uh, six or seven. And uh, because my dad had a uh, had started a position for a life insurance company. And since he spoke fluent German by then and, you know, knew the German culture, he went back and sold life insurance uh, actually in the, for, to the military personnel for this company out of Salt Lake City. Wow. So, so your dad started his out of the military career as an insurance salesman. That's correct. Yeah. Wow. He, yeah. He had a lot of interesting jobs, but um, one of the reasons why my dad I think was so successful is that when we were small, so I have a brother and two sisters, when we were pretty small, uh, my uncle passed away and, uh, and, and he did not have a wife at that time. And, and so we had three cousins, first cousins that were very small as well. And they were going to be, uh, they were gonna be put up for adoption or foster care in Nevada. And my dad and mom were only 26 years old and they adopted them. So my dad was 26 and he had seven kids. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. So wow. my dad always says that he, that was a huge motivation for him to be successful because he had to put a lot of food on the table and uh, instant family Brady bunch type of family. So I, I think, and it, you know, I mean, you, you would kind of have to be living under a rock in the U S at least to not have heard of the little giant ladder company. Um, but we're we're going to get to that. I because I, 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 I'm very very curious about how that all came about. So your dad your dad got out of the military and started selling life insurance. Ended up going back to Germany to sell to people in the military. It sounds like yes. Um, and how long were you guys over there? You said 
oh, probably three or four years. Okay. And uh, that's how uh, he saw the idea of, of the little giant, the first little giant ladder. So, so my dad had a partner that was selling insurance with him over there. And he went to a, uh, I think they went to like a, some kind of a home show or hardware show there in Germany. Yeah. My partner, uh, his name was Richard Miner, and he saw this very crude prototype of the little giant ladder that was invented by a German house painter. And he loved it. He thought it was a great, uh, great product. And he went and talked to my dad about it. And my dad said, I don't really have any interest in seeing this ladder. We're, we're selling insurance. You need to forget about this ladder. And so my, my dad's partner, he didn't give up. He just kept telling my dad, you've got to see this ladder. It's really impressive. And I think you'll like it. <laughs> so after and your dad's like, I, I don't know anything about ladders. I sell yeah, insurance. Exactly. He's like a ladder can only be a ladder, right? So, so eventually he talked him into going and, and visiting with this Walter uh, that owned the company and uh, this painter. And, um, and then my dad was like, this is incredible. I see potential in this. And uh, this Walter Kumalin, that was his name. And my dad became very, very good friends. And uh, that's, they, the, that's the painter that invented the, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's the painter. And so eventually, you know, my dad thought, wow, I can, I think I can sell these. And, but at the time my dad, I mean, this was in, gosh, this was in like 1970. Um, I think 70, 71, my dad first saw it. And my dad was making like 70, 80,000 a year selling insurance. He was a very good salesman. That's and, great money back then too. Yeah. That's great money right now. <laughs> of course. Yeah. And, and and he was a he was a you know, he was a big risk taker though my dad was and he was like I think I can do this and and uh so he worked out a deal where he could bring in, you know, he said okay, I will bring in a container of these and try selling them and uh you know, and he talked my mom into he says, "Hey, I'm going to quit my job and do this." And she's like, "Well, how much money are we going to make?" And he's like, "I don't know, you know, it's uh, probably not very much at first. So he says he was a really good salesman. You know, he sold his car, he sold his boat, he sold all these things uh, just to get this thing started. And, uh, but uh, that's, so that's how it started. So, so, okay. So I keep saying your dad was the inventor of the little giant ladder, but it doesn't sound like he was. He wasn't the inventor, but then as we talk about the company more and more, you'll, you'll see that he made uh, improvements and eventually got his own patents uh, on the products. On, uh, and we actually made a better product than the Germans, and they started buying parts from us later on. So Wow. Yeah. So uh, now are there – well, we'll get into that. I was going to say are there knockoffs. I know there's, there's people trying to knock off – to a degree, but and I've seen them. They're not, they're not very good. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. happen to own a couple of little giants. So, you know, yeah, we always, there's always people trying to copy uh, for, you know, most of the time it's for a cheaper price and lesser yeah. quality. And yeah, but, and my dad always used to say that hey, it's a, the greatest form of flattery is, is this when they copy us. And if they ever stop copying us, then we'll be in big trouble. So, but wow. He, he wasn't afraid of the competition. He, he wasn't, you know, he's a big risk taker. So anyway, he, we, we moved back to Utah and uh, started in 1972. A lot of people don't realize Little Giant's been around that long. Jeez. So, you know, it was me and my brother and 
my dad and a couple of other people, you know, that's basically were with the company from the very beginning. Wow. And he quit his job, which probably felt great to your mom. Secure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Quit his job. And, and he didn't know the first thing about, about the, the product. But so what happened was, is he, he actually had him, you know, when we moved back to Utah, he had a couple of samples sent over and he always likes to tell this story, but so he went around and showed the ladder, did the presentation to a bunch of his friends and other people and got pre-orders for these. And then wow. when the first container came in, you know, he said that people, there was a lot of excuses from people. They're like, yeah, I told you I'd buy one, but you know, I just lost my job or I, you know, this happened or that happened. And so basically very few people that said they'd buy those ladders, uh, ended up not buying them. And so he had to come up with an ingenious way uh, of selling them. And that's how the concept of, well, I'll take these two like uh, trade shows, home and garden shows, home shows, and I'll do toe to toe selling. I'll demonstrate right to people. And then I'll, I'll write up the orders at these shows. And then in four to six weeks, we'll, you know, we'll ship them and they'll get the product in four to six weeks. So that's wow. how the company started just by selling toe to toe like that. So he was selling ladders that weren't even made yet. Yeah. And, and again, um, as I mentioned to you before, I had texted you on another uh, on a different podcast or whatever you call it. I guess, is that what they're called? Live streams, I guess. Yeah. But uh, yeah, live streams. Um, it, when he first started the company, you know, the the biggest ladder company and still is one of the biggest ladder companies in the world was Werner Ladder and was owned by the Werner family. And my dad said he can remember he was at a trade show and the two Werner brothers came up to him and they laughed at him. And they said, Wing, you are a fool. We could have had this ladder years ago. You're going to fall on your face. You're going to fail. You, basically, they said, you're an idiot. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, like 20 years later, they were like knocking on the door saying, hey, we'd like to buy your company. And my dad, <laughs> yeah, I think so. Take a hike. They tried yeah. to buy, they've tried to buy the company about three times. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. That is awesome. So, so. So he went and, and were you at these trade shows or? No, when I started, uh, it's the only company I've ever worked for. I've had one employer is pretty interesting, but when I, when the company started, I was like 10 years old. And so, oh. and so my brother was 12. Uh, I, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was either that or I was, yeah, maybe I was 12 and he was 14. So my dad had us working, you know, in, uh, at that time we were just bringing the ladders over. And so we had them warehoused and my brother and I would clean the warehouse and we had to put new labels on them and different things like that. But we started at the very bottom and uh, just kept working, you know, through the years. So they were being made manufactured in Germany and shipped over. That's correct. Yes. In the very beginning. So, so what happened was, is um, we were, we were buying containers at a time. And then if you, Recall in the 70s, especially the late 70s, when the economy kind of tanked, yep. when President Carter was the president, the interest rates were high and things were really bad economically in, in the U.S. Yeah, gas was $12 a gallon. and <laughs> Really bad, yeah. And, and yeah. so my dad went to, to Walter and said, hey, you know, could we, could we build these in the U.S. and just do some kind of a licensing thing? And, um, and so that that was the second step is when we actually started producing them here in America. And that's in Utah. 
Yes, yeah, that was it, it, the first manufacturing facility was in uh, American Fork, Utah, and wow. then later moved to uh, Provo and Springville. We're, we're in Springville right now. So there's been about three facilities in Utah that we've been manufacturing in, you know, until right now. That's incredible, man. So, so then the eighties hit, things started to boom again. Mm -hmm. um, did, did, is that where things really started taking off once you started, you took over manufacturing here and. Yeah, things started taking off. And then, um, it's kind of an interesting story. The, uh, the company started being becoming very successful and then we had we actually didn't even have a resale program we just were selling direct still and then there was a company in california that's a huge ladder distributor and they're still a distributor today yeah uh, there are they were our first distributor the gentleman approached my dad and he says hey i want to resell these ladders my dad goes well we don't have a program to resell these ladders and he just kept bugging my dad i think he gave him an order for like three or four hundred ladders and said well maybe this will help you figure out a program that um you can you can sell these to me so that i can resell them to people because people are asking for them so then you know from then we from there we went and, and had a distributor program and 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 the company just started growing and wow but then when i uh it was really interesting after i graduated from high school i served a mission for two years for my church and um my dad actually sold the company uh, while I was gone and, yeah, well, it was right before I was gone. I would say it was probably in 80, 81 or 82. He sold to a big company in San Jose, California. And then, um, what happened was, is when I got back from my mission in 1985, the company that bought us, they also bought a bunch of other little companies and they just ran them all into the ground. And so, uh, little giant was when in 1986 uh, the company went under because this this big company had milked all these other all the money out of all these little companies and so um, my dad yeah it was really crazy and so my dad went he knew that there was going to be a sheriff's sale this is a really interesting story because this wow. would, this would never happen today he went to uh, he went to a bank there in Utah, right in Springville, Utah, and he went to the banker and he said, "I need, I think it was like four or five hundred thousand dollars." And he said, "I need this much money. I'm going to buy the assets back to the company and start it back up again. I don't know when I can pay you back, but I promise you, I'll pay you back." And just on my dad's word, they gave him the money, and he was able to start the company again. Wow! For four or five hundred thousand? Yeah, yeah. So. So he that went, seemed like a bargain, actually. Yeah, and so here's another cool story about my dad is he bought the assets, not the liabilities to the company, but he went back to all the suppliers that were supplying us with labels and feed and aluminum and plastics and things. And this is where I really learned that my father had integrity. He went back to every one of these suppliers and said, hey, the company went out of business, not anything that we did. It was the company that bought us. And uh, I don't really... I don't really owe you any, anything, uh, any of the money that, you know, the, from this previous company, but if you guys will work with us and get us, give us credit, eventually I will pay you guys all back. And every company, but one worked with my dad and he paid everyone back over time. Wow. So the, the, the guy had a lot of integrity. 
And uh, that's incredible. Incredible man. What, when, you know, outside of the, the business side here, here you were being raised as a child by this man with vision, with tenacity, with integrity. What was it like being his, his kid? I mean, what was it like? I mean, was it, was it, and, and he was former military. So was it, you know, make your bed. I want to be able to bounce a quarter on. I mean, what was he very strict? What was it? What was it like for you as a kid? Yeah, he was super strict. Um, in fact, some of my siblings, they, they, uh, they say, well, it's borderline abuse, but everybody, <laughs> been, you know, spanked and used the belt. My, my dad was real strict, but yeah. One of the most organized men I've ever met. He was just driven. He had such confidence and a tenacity. Like you said, he, anything he did, he was, he was just a competitor and, um, he just wouldn't take no for an answer. And he was just, just amazing. Uh, in fact, when he was in the military, his commander said, wing, you will either be, if you stay in the military, you will either be in the stockade or you will become a general. One wow. of the, yeah, he was, he's a, just an awesome leader and, uh, and uh, just, I mean, motivated. And he was, my dad was only like five foot seven. He was a very small man wow. physically, but he had just a huge heart and man, don't, don't challenge him on anything. He's, he was really competitive and driven. And, and in fact, it was his, he thought everybody thought like he did. Like, here's a funny story. When, when he first started hiring salesmen and they were doing these big trade shows, yeah, uh, they had this uh, sales manager who was one of the first employees. And, and in the very beginning, he went up to my dad and he said, Hal, he said, uh, you know, not everybody thinks like you. And he's like, well, what are you talking about? And he goes, well, he goes, you don't have to go to the bathroom and you don't have to take lunch breaks, but these guys do and uh you need to let them go and and have lunch and go to the bathroom at these shows and my dad was like he thought everybody thought like he was it's just like i'm gonna work all day and i don't stop working. Wow. and so he had to realize that he was kind of a freak of nature and that uh not everybody was like him and people needed to have a lunch breaks i get that though man i can so relate to his his mindset like I never understood why. Why do we have to close down during holidays? I, I still have to pay the bills. The the bills don't stop just because we we have the Fourth yeah. of July or whatever. I'll, like, yeah, I'll tell you one other story. One time, my dad was overseas. He was in Europe, and he called me and said, "Hey, fax me over something." This was, you know, in the days of the when yeah. fax, you know, were the way to communicate. He said, fax me over this document. I said, okay. And at that time I was running all the customer service department at Little Giant and, and I got busy and like 10 minutes later, my dad called me back and he goes, I haven't seen that fax yet. And I said, dad, be patient. I'm kind of busy. I'm going to, I'll get this to you right away. And he said to me on the phone, something I'll never forget. He goes, patience is a waste of time. Oh. So he was, he was a man that didn't have a lot of patience. But <laughs> I love it. Yeah, patience is a waste of time. So you know what? This is a perfect time for. Can I? I, I want to play the video. Yeah, that'd be fine. It's the memorial video that was was made after he passed, right? Exactly. Yeah. So uh, I think this is a perfect time to uh, t 
to to play that because we're going to lead into talking more about him. But let's let, let's play this video. Here we go. What do I have to offer anybody? What does Halloween have to offer anybody? When people come to me and look for a job, there are certain things that I cannot teach them. If they don't have good moral values, okay, if they're not honest, if they don't have work ethic, if they don't have a sense of loyalty to you, these are not things that I can instill in someone. That's something only you can do. We created a category for ladders that's never existed before. And I had to go out and educate America on a ladder that at that time was $200, $250, where you could buy a ladder for $9.95 at Sears. What kept me going? The love of my family. One of my board of directors made the comment. He says, you know how you started with nothing, and you may just end up with nothing. I hate failure. If you tell me it's impossible, folks, I'm ready to go. I've been blessed to have a, a lot of wonderful people help me along the way. The most important asset you will ever have will be your employees. They will make or break you. And you, you need to get where you treat them like they should be treated. I now had found the anthracite when someone has found a need to shower him with gifts and wealth. It's not the proper deed. The way to truly help one grow and taste a victory, give him something he can use. Give him opportunity. Wow. That's so powerful. Yeah. It's kind of strange to hear your, you know, my father's been passed away for about nine years now and it's kind of weird to hear his voice. And every once in a while when I, when I'd be traveling, you know, our company's known for the infomercials that we've done and they still play those. And every once in a while I'm getting dressed, getting ready to go out of business meeting of the day. And I see my dad on TV and hear his voice and it brings in a lot of emotions, but uh, incredible incredible man uh you know and we can talk about the uh we can talk about that philosophy of building the man or the and the woman and if you do that then the business will will follow and that was his philosophy he you know he started the company so that we could work together as a family but then there were other people who obviously needed jobs and uh so he i mean we we've got four over 400 employees now and uh and, uh, but one thing that's interesting about my dad is, is that he was a, he would give people chances, a lot of people chances that other companies wouldn't, I mean, ex-convicts, um, people that were, you know, we, we hired some people in janitorial and, and, and manufacturing that were, um, a little bit slow and, uh, had some mental problems and, and he, he was just always, Hey, let's give people opportunities. And I think that, the reason why he was like that is that, you know, he, he was like that and he, not very many people would give him opportunities. And, and I think he, 
he always remembered that, that he should be good to people. And if he was, then they would be good to him. So it's, it's so inspirational, man. I, I mean, because there's a lot of people running companies that are all about them <laughs> and, and, and they see, they see the people working for them as, as a, a commodity, just, you know, yeah. One thing that was impressive about my dad is even when he was kind of semi-retired and retired, he knew every person that worked there by name. He could walk through the shop manufacturing facility or the office and he could recall every person's name. He was incredible. His memory was unbelievable. I'm pretty good about it, but uh, my brother, not so much. He, he Sometimes he doesn't remember everybody, but, but, uh, but, he was incredible that way and he knew something about him and and just showed interest in him and the culture at little giant is really really unique it, it's it's more like a family uh than than a business yeah. it's the only place and i've only worked one place but i've been in a lot of business meetings with big companies huge companies it's the only pl uh, place of business i've ever been in where every meeting is started with a word of prayer and wow. my dad believed that uh in a in a higher power, he believed that we were blessed by uh, this higher power and that as we served others and helped others to provide employment and took good care of them, that we would be blessed as well. We can call that higher power what it is. It's God, right? Exactly. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. Dude, that, that is, that's so incredible, man. I, I, I just, I gave me chills when you said that. That yeah. is so and, absolutely cool. And, and, you know, people are blown away when they come to work for us, you know, the first meeting, they're like, well, we're having prayer. This is, this is crazy. But it, and then, you know, they're like, this is just, they love it, you know? So yeah, I'm working for a cult. <laughs> but uh, my that's dad true. believed, he said, you know, one of these days when I die and when I meet my maker, he goes, I'm going to have to give an accounting for what the, you know, the success I had and what I did with my wealth. And did I bless other people? He goes, I'm, I'm convinced of that. And this, this is a, um, I mean, it wasn't an overnight success though. You, you said when he, he quit his insurance job and, and and told your mom, hey, I I, I really want to quit my job and and do this ladder thing. Yeah, she yeah. said, well, how how can, can you know how much money can you make? And he said, I have no idea. But he, he sold everything you said to start yeah, it. Start it. And the thing that was interesting is my dad said he can remember um, coming home at night and then getting up the next day and saying, if I don't sell, you know, whatever amount of ladders, ten ladders, fifteen ladders. 18 ladders today were busted. We're out of business. Can you imagine that? And so he knew exactly. And he says, somehow I was always able to sell at least that and more, most of the times more. And I, I mean, I can remember growing up and when everybody was doing backflips when we did like a first million dollar year. Yeah. And then I can remember when we did a million dollar month and uh, you know, so on and so forth. So Oh, things were lean in the very beginning. My dad, people don't realize this, but my dad told me before that he paid all of the employees several times and then they didn't take a paycheck. My mom and dad didn't take a paycheck. 
and they just lived off their savings. But uh, you know, my mom was the great equalizer. My dad was just like, kind of like, I'm just going to say he was a, a big time risk taker. And he was, yeah. he was, and my mom was from Germany, lived in the war, their house got bombed. And so my mom was like a penny pincher and wow. they really balance each other out good because my mom was the saver. My dad was like, let's roll the dice and risk everything. And so they, they did equalize each other out really well. And, 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 you know, and it worked out pretty well. I, I, you know, I can, I can relate except for there were times when, when my employees all got paid and we didn't have a savings. So yeah. we were living on faith <laughs> and faith alone. But see, my dad got a lot of the credit, but think about my mother. She's got seven kids. She had no driver's license. She never got her driver's license. My dad's gone when I'm in junior high and high school. My dad's gone over 300 days a year. Wow. So my mom was taken care of. She was the disciplinarian. She was taking care of everybody. And uh, I mean, kudos to my mother who kept the whole family together. And while my dad was out busting his rear end. And th did you say three, three of the kids were? My first cousins. Yeah. Yeah. And they were adopted. And your mom just stepped right up and said, I'm, I'm in, let's, let's raise these kids. Yeah. My dad, see, people, people saw my dad later on in his life and the guy had over 50 cars and, you know, very nice homes and things. And they, they don't see the times when my dad was living in a station wagon, sleeping on top of ladders and yeah. could only stay in a hotel about every four or five nights. And so he would clean up in gas station restrooms and, and, uh, he's, you know, he was talking about getting pulled over by the police at night we sleeping in his car and they said, Hey, you can't sleep here. You're going to have to move. You're going to have to go some other place. Wow. People don't realize what he went through to do this, you know? Um, and really his, my dad died at 72 and he didn't really take good care of himself. He, he just worked, worked, worked. He didn't, people would call my dad and say, Hey, can we come and visit you and have lunch? And you can tell us your story. And he goes, well, eating lunch is a waste of time, but if you want to make an appointment with me, I, I would be glad to meet with you and I can give you a few secrets of being successful. So the guy was on the go all the time. Wow. That's incredible. Did, how did that, did that have any kind of negative impact on you as a kid or did you just say, that's just how that's, that's how it's gotta be. No, not really. I told you before that we grew up um, riding and racing dirt bikes. My brother and I, my dad yeah. was so competitive. He got into it when he was like, in his late thirties, true yeah. story. He was a, he called himself a squid on a dirt bike. He didn't know what he was doing. He kept crashing his brains out and people that he went with were laughing at him, making fun of him. But you know what? That was fuel for my dad. My dad said within three or four months, he was beating the pants off those guys just wow. to sheer, sheer determination and competitiveness and willpower. He was a competitor, but, um, my, when, when my dad was home, he spent a lot of quality time with us. He knew how to how to balance it out. And, uh, and, uh, we, we had a lot of fun when he was around and, uh, he just knew how to, he was very organized. The guy yeah. was one of the most organized people that I'd ever met in my life. Incredible. Absolutely amazing. So, you know, I've seen, um, I, I mean, I bought my little giant ladders. I have two of them. I have the, the, the big, whatever the Mac daddy one is called that extends to like, 18 feet or whatever. I have that one. 
Um, it's in the garage. It's it's very lightweight compared to other ladders in its category, but it's still not the easiest ladder to to. I sent you a picture. I was yeah. I was I texted you that picture. I was um, installing this thing on my daughter's trampoline, and I'm like the little giant. And it it's be it's a beautiful piece of equipment. But and then I have the smaller one inside that folds out, and it has the three steps and the the thing that swings i don't even know what it's called but um you know and they're amazing ladders absolutely amazing ladders so let's let's kind of talk about you know the company started really taking off in the 80s did, did you guys it, did it ever go public no it's always been privately held and my since my dad did sell it at one time he was very uh very cautious to to once the company started having success again, boy, people come around and say, sell us your business. And my dad just had no interest in, uh, in doing that. So the company continued to be successful and it got to a point in about 1990 when, um, this was a real pivotal point for the company. Uh, the patents of our, our, we were kind of a one trick pony. We had the little giant in about four different sizes and it, has really been it was a real big blessing to the company because our patents ran out and i would say within several months of the patents running out uh there were several competitors that came into the market chinese imports um in fact one of our biggest distributors in california there there was a competitor that came out had a full page ad in the usa today uh, that, that, that this gorilla ladder was going, was in Home Depot for half the price of our ladder. And he goes, what are you guys going to do about this? And, um, and so luckily for us, we, uh, we were double the price, but we had a lot of experience over the last, you know, 20 years. We knew what quality meant in the product. Well, these competitors came in at half the price, but they also came in with inferior quality. And so, um, so that was one thing that did help us, but, uh, it did cause the company to, to look uh, kind of outside the box, if you will, and change. And that's when, uh, the company decided to do the infomercial, the first infomercial. And that was, uh, filmed with Dean Johnson and Robin Hartle from home time. Now there's a funny story about that too. Um, we really didn't have the money to do this infomercial. And so what happened was, is here the company's sales had started to decline. We started to have competition and we had the idea of doing this infomercial, but we didn't have the money. So my dad said, all right, I'll loan you the money. I'll give you the, I think it was $500,000 at the mm -hmm. time, 90. My dad said, I will personally loan you the money. And I want you to promise me that you'll give me back the money in six months. And wow. so we said, okay, we'll do that. And he said, oh, by the way, uh, I want to, he was in the infomercial as well. And he says, I want a royalty. <laughs> and so he said, I want $10 for every ladder that you guys sell. Wow. So we took a now big. What? So, so was he not in the company anymore? Uh, he was kind of semi-retired at that time he was okay. still on the board and uh but day to day maybe not so much but so he said you know i'm gonna you guys are gonna pay me this royalty 
And so what, what happened was, is uh, it was incredible success. And the next year, the company four times its sales wow. went crazy. We went from building, um, trying to think of it was four or 500 ladders a day to 7,000, 24 hours a day, six days a week. 7,000 a day? Yeah. And we did all of this. Okay. Think about how much this would cost to ramp all this up. Well, there was so much money as a result of this infomercial, we were able to do the growth and all of the, you know, tooling and machinery and everything. We did it all with no debt. The next year, the next year, we uh, four times our sales again. And the from what it was the previous year. Exactly. Yeah. So it was just incredible. And uh, my dad got his $600,000 back and then some, I'll tell you that. But he did very well. But um, so the lessons that we learned from that, though, having that one trick pony. And it was what was interesting was, remember I told you about that ladder that was in Home Depot for half the price? Yep. Our brand, <clears throat> excuse me, let me get a drink. Yeah, go ahead. This is awesome. Our brand was so strong that... Um, guess who called us and said, we want your ladders home Depot. So we're like, wait a minute. You've got the, you've got the inferior one. You've got the, the knockoff brand for half the price. And you guys want little giant. They go, yeah, some people come in and they don't want this cheaper ladder. They want the little giant. So they were getting home Depot was making big money because they were selling our ladder and they were also selling I think they sold for every little giant they sold, they sold four of the inexpensive ones. So they were making huge amounts of money. But what this taught us was that, um, that we needed to grow the company and grow it and make it stronger in other areas. And so with the money that we, uh, the money that came into the company, we actually went out into different verticals and, um, started, you know, producing fiberglass ladders and went into like cable telco and construction. And so we took it and spent a lot of money on innovation yeah. and, and went into, into, into that. And, and, and it really paid off the company, uh, made it a stronger company and, uh, and, and it kept growing. So, so, so tell me though, so your dad was, was semi-retired, still chairman of the board, but semi-retired and um, you and your brother were running the company. Yeah, my brother and I, plus we had, um, well, I just wanted to say one thing about that infomercial. My dad was amazing. He, he always knew that the employees, is, uh, the employees are the ones that really helped uh, get the company to where it is. So he, when, when we had that success, he went to the CFO and he said, I want to give a million dollars to all the employees. And he said, can we, can we do it? And our CFO is like, yeah, we can do it. So he went and we sat down, me and my brother and I and our management team, and we took every employee by how long they'd been there, their position, and took this million dollars and divided it up amongst the employees. There were some people who had only worked for us for two or three weeks that got like three and $4,000 checks. It was incredible. Yeah. So, um, what, What's the biggest check that went out? <laughs> I got a nice one too, but... <laughs> I think I got one at me and my brother, of course, and the management team. We we got some pretty nice checks, but yeah, was, they were bigger than what some people make in a year. They were pretty nice, but, <laughs> but 
Anyway, that's the kind of heart my dad had, you know. And people, so awesome. At this meeting, people, you know, he had pizza and everything for everybody. People were crying. I mean, hugging each other and people couldn't believe it. That's, mm -hmm. That is making an impact in the world, man. That is so wow. freaking awesome. I, I, my question, though, that that's incredible. But who, okay, so I, I want to go back to it's it's sales are declining you don't have an infomercial at the time but somebody came up with the idea let's do an infomercial who was that well there's my You're like, we still fight about this at thanksgiving yeah, me, but I, there's, I think there's two people in the company that say it was their idea but uh, I wasn't one of them. I always tell people there's a lot of smart people at Little Giant. Unfortunately, I'm not one of them, but I was born with the right last name. So, right. uh, but anyway, um, it doesn't, I guess it doesn't really matter who gets the credit, but, uh, you but know, it was the pivotal, pivotal moment. Yes. Oh yeah. Huge moment for the company. And my dad, uh, he was just amazing. Like, there was a guy that worked for us and still works for us in sales. And he, there was a canal that broke near his house and flooded his house and, and his, the insurance company wasn't paying for it. And the canal company wasn't paying for it. And there was, they were all fighting over this. And meanwhile, the guy's got like six feet of water in his basement and his mold and got all these things. My dad went to this guy one day, heard about this and wrote him a personal check for $50,000 and said, I hope this helps you get your house fixed back up again out of his as own money huh as a loan oh he gave it to him wow yeah so that just tells you the kind of heart that my dad had wow uh, his employees he loved them they loved him i mean there's no doubt that if my dad had a need at two in the morning he could call some people and they would be right there they just loved my dad and, and sure. uh, he was just wow. incredible with people that is, that is so awesome, man. And so how did that, um, how do you feel like that's impacted you in your life? Well, you know, the, the way it's impacted me is that to really appreciate the people that come work for us each day. And I tried my best to be like my dad and to, to, to get to know all the employees, to let them know that they're important. And, but just if, you know, I mean, it's the Zig Ziglar thing. If you help enough people get what they want, they're going to help you get what you want. And, and it's just the culture at Little Giant. It's if you want to build a business, you build the people and the business will, will follow. And that's what's, what's happened with us. We've been so blessed and uh, I think if people remember that, even in, you know, in sales, if you just treat people the way you want to be treated and you listen and you become interested in them and, and realize it's not about you, but it's about them. And if you just try to help people, uh, then you're going to be successful. And uh, that, that is really, uh, my dad was uber competitive he was, you know, he, he didn't quit, but he, he did realize that people are more important than things. And that, that is kind of the little giant story is yes, we've got great products. We've got great people there, 
you know, the people are really what make a company, not the, not the patents, not the products, not the buildings. And, uh, that is, if people will remember that and, and build people, then, then they're gonna, they're gonna be successful. I, um, <clears throat> I think we should tell everybody that, uh, you invited me to come out and do a live stream at the little giant headquarters, which I think would be on a- I'd like to do it on Amazon, <laughs> sell some ladders. Yeah, Amazon does really well with they're one of our bigger retailers. Yeah. And uh, I, I can do I can do live streams on Amazon. So I think it would be so cool to get on there and, and sell some ladders on uh, on Amazon from the headquarters. Like that would be so cool. Yeah, and, we can do that. Yeah, I think that um you know, it would be interesting because I'm sure you still have a lot of employees at Little Giant that um, that n- knew your dad and worked for your dad, right? Yeah. Our company is incredible. We've got people that have, are still in manufacturing. They've worked there for 30 years. I mean, you look at them and some of them can barely walk. They, they've worn themselves out for us. I mean, they and the because of our culture, we have we have people stay for a long time and it's just like a family there. They're, they're amazing. They, they're just amazing. You know, um, Mark Gassert says, uh, your dad totally understood that people are the most treasured investment. It's the best investment you can make corporate America. Are you listening? <laughs> yeah. I wanted to tell you something that after the infomercial, we, we of course have had huge success and we've had just, company after company, private equity company come in and try to buy the company. And I remember one time uh, this big, I don't know if I should say their name, but a big private investment firm came in from New York. They flew into Provo on a Learjet, business jet, and there was like 12 suits that walked in. I'll never forget this. I'm in this meeting and these guys are just like, we want to buy your company. And it was for millions and millions of dollars. And my dad had one question for him. He goes, if I sell you my company, what's going to happen to my employees? And the guy, him hot around and, you know, the chairman of this big company, my dad goes, no, don't him hot around. Tell me what's going to happen to my employees. This meeting was supposed to last all day long. And the guy goes, well, you know, he goes, we'll buy your company and we're going to build it. And, you know, within five years, we'll probably flip it and, you know, we'll move stuff offshore and people will lose their jobs. And my dad goes, well, it's been a great meeting, guys, but <laughs> the meeting is over. And the guy goes, well, don't you understand how much money we're offering you? My dad goes, I already have a lot of money. And he goes, you just given me more money. And he goes, I care about these people. So the meeting's over. Within wow. 20, yeah, within 20 minutes, these guys were back to Provo on their uh, business, back to New York. And he just told them off. He goes, no, I won't do it. That's dude, that wow, wow, yeah, that's so incredible. In fact, my dad got a call from Warren Buffett. This was back in oh, so there's a big furniture chain in Utah called RC Willie that Warren Buffett bought, yeah. And when he was there for the this deal, signing the deal, he saw an ad or there was an article on my dad in the paper, so he called him and he's like, Hal, I'm interested in your company send me the information. This was back when, you know, when we were just like $20 million company. And so actually my dad sends him all the, yeah, he sends him all the financials and, um, Warren Buffett calls my dad like two weeks later and says, uh, 
hey, Hal, you got a nice little company. It's just too small for me. If you ever get, you know, if you ever get to the size where, you know, I'd be interested, he goes, you know, we can talk again. But my dad couldn't believe how nice he was and how humble he was. You know, his guys are one of the richest guys in the world. But at first, my dad, when he called my dad, he's like, is this some kind of joke? Is somebody playing a joke on me? But it was him, yeah. That is so cool. You know Warren Buffett has your ladders at home, too. Yeah, here's the funny story about the Warner guys. I remember yeah. seeing one of the Warner brothers at a show, and he goes, don't tell anybody because I will I will deny it, but he goes, the ladders I have in my closet are little giant. So it was one of the Warner guys, <laughs> the brothers. I love it, man. That's freaking awesome. Yeah. That's so awesome. Somebody asked, and I want to I want to find the comment real quick because I thought it was a great question. Ray Campbell said, "Doug, what's your dad? What was your dad's favorite scripture? Do you know?" Uh, boy, I'm not sure uh, about that one, but uh, it had to be "Do unto others." It was, <laughs> I mean, it was probably something like that, yeah, rule yeah. or something. But uh, yeah. yeah, my, you know, we. We at Little Giant, we have Christmas parties. My dad would always take 15, 20 minutes, read about the birth of Christ. And wow. he would he would say, if anybody doesn't feel comfortable, you can step out for a few minutes while we do this. But this is a Christmas party and we talk about Christ. Uh, you know, this is our company and this is how we're going to do it. And wow. And he was he was good about it, you know, but he, so he, he didn't ever convert over to the holiday party. <laughs> no, he was, no, Al. I love this dude. Yeah. He, wow. he, well, he was the mayor of Springville and they actually had meetings, city council meetings and things. And, and he, uh, they, he, they started those with prayer. And then like the, uh, ACLU called my dad and said, we're going to sue the city and all this. He goes, bring it on. You know, he goes, <laughs> We're gonna do this as long as I'm mayor. He wasn't afraid of. of uh, he was, like I said, a short guy, but he was pretty feisty. Yeah. So, so you know what? That is that that. And Sandy Archer just said it. He stayed solid. He didn't budge. And I, I love that man. I love that. So, so you are. I, I forget. You told me that you and your brother are coach. My brother's the chairman of the company now, Okay. the vice chairman. I actually was fortunate enough uh, to retire last year, and I am involved in other things. But, you know, I've, I've worked in this company my entire life. I love the company, but yeah. uh, I've flown just in North America alone about two, well, over two million miles on Delta Airlines. And so there was, I, did, I did know last year that I was not going to do this anymore, and uh, – but I'm still involved on the board still, you know, a majority, my brother and I are both the majority shareholders of the company. But, uh, that's the interesting thing is what do we do with the company going forward? Yeah. My brother has a son. I have a son. They're both millennials and we love them, but, uh, it's a different mindset with these young people. And it's going to be real interesting to see where the company goes, you know, as far as when we're gone, uh, are we going to, you know, are we going to sell the business? Are we going to do an employee buyout or, you know, different things like that. But those are things that, you know, that we've talked about and thought about, but, uh, yeah. it's, it's just different times. And it's the, the younger generation is, is a different generation. You know, they have their strengths as well. Um, you know, but, uh, it's not the same, uh, as we grew up for sure. 
So you're still, but you, you're the company still doing the infomercials, still doing. Yeah, the company's still doing a little bit of infomercial. I mean, it's been one of the most successful, longest-running infomercials. We don't do as much. We've refreshed it up about two or three times, maybe three or four times. Uh, yeah. We just signed a five-year contract with Lowe's, and so we're we're now big time in retail with Lowe's, with Costco, uh, with you know Amazon, with uh, in the industrial side with a big company called Granger that a lot of people have probably heard about. Yeah, um, those types of businesses and things, but. Uh, the company is, you know, is more diverse now. Is more, uh, is really a lot stronger because we've we've branched out into, uh, like I said, fiberglass products where we make we pull true to all our own fiberglass right in Springville, Utah. And we do that twenty four hours a day, so wow. um, it's pretty incredible. Yeah, the business is is good, and through this COVID, and I mean, we're up over last year, which is incredible considering COVID and everything that's that's happened and uh we're pretty blessed we feel very very blessed absolutely incredible story man absolutely i i honestly i've i i don't even know what else i could ask you about this 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 story your your dad was definitely had vision and definitely had tenacity and i i would say he didn't, it doesn't sound like he, he lived with a lot of fear in his life. He wasn't, yeah, he wasn't really afraid of anything. In fact, I asked him one time, I said, <coughs> excuse me, I said, uh, man, when th that other company bought us and they went out of business was, were you scared? Uh, was, was it hard to re to re get the company going again? He goes, no, it was easier the second time. And he goes, it was easier for this reason because I remembered all the mistakes I made the first yep. time and I didn't make those again. And so he, he was just incredible with people and with just the vision he had and to get people to, to, uh, you know, buy into his vision and, and get him, get him to come along and, and work with him. And, and he, 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 like I said before, he had this ability to, to, to see people, uh, not as other people see them, but to see their potential. Uh, for example, we had a gentleman that was went to prison for stealing. And my dad knew this when he came in and he said, well, you're not going to steal from me, are you? And the guy's like, no. So my dad gave him a job. Well, he ended up eventually becoming a supervisor, that little giant. Wow. Let me get a drink. And he retired from us for, uh, uh, he worked for us for, gosh, 30 years, but my dad, he can still remember handing him the keys to the building when he, when he made him the, the foreman of the whole manufacturing wow. shop foreman. And he said, this guy, big guy, he was a great big guy. And he said, this guy just sobbed like a little baby in his arms. Yeah. And my dad just wow. said, you can do this. Wow. And so he really helped people to grow. And by doing that, then of course our business grew. And, uh, that's, Oh, I want to tell you one thing too, is when my dad passed away, uh, the governor came. <clears throat> the governor came to. Uh, was one of the first people at the mortuary, the funeral home, and he said to my brother and I, he goes, "Your dad said that he was in the ladder business, but he goes that was incorrect. Your father was in the people business." And I thought that was really, really interesting coming from the governor of Utah. That no, your dad wasn't in the ladder business. He was in the people business. That is so incredible. Wow. 
I, I got to tell you, man, I, I <clears throat> it, what an inspirational story. And I, I would imagine that new employees that are, I, I don't know if you hire new employees still or not, but I yeah, would imagine right now. Are you? So they don't know your dad. I'm sure that it's, it's, um, it's interesting for, for new people coming in to, to, to hear all of these things. Mm-hmm. And, and is there, I'm sure, do you have a current CEO of, a, of the company? Yeah. And you know, what's incredible is I don't have a college degree. My brother doesn't have a college degree. The CEO of our company doesn't have a college degree. He, he worked his way up from building ladders in production and he's now the CEO of the company. Now our CFO, does he have a college degree? Of course he does. Right. Yeah. He yeah. needs to know about finance and those things. My dad didn't have a college degree. So, you know, uh, that doesn't matter. Uh, you know, my dad always said he would really wished he would have had a college degree, but he goes, you know, it's just a piece of paper, really. I mean, we were, the three of us, my dad, my brother, and I, we, we kind of learned from this, the school of hard knocks, and, yeah. and we feel like we have more than uh, – more than a college degree and the experiences that we've had growing up in the company. And, and, uh, I'm just grateful for a wonderful father and mother that taught us how to work and how to care for people. My mom and dad were very giving. Uh, I remember when my father passed away, my mom would, every Christmas, my mom would have these little envelopes with cash in them and she'd have their names on them and she'd have me go, down to these widows' houses and give them, you know, these little Christmas gifts. <coughs> and uh, boy, wow. they were both just incredible givers. And uh, they wow. they knew that what they had been blessed with wasn't really theirs. It was just theirs to see, if, you know, to help other people, really. And is your is your so is your mom still? My still? mom my mom passed away a few years ago, and. Wow she just was lonely. I mean, she just missed my dad so much. And yeah, she just said, why am I still alive? I talked to her every day on the phone. She'd say, I don't want to be here. I want to be with your dad. You guys know what you're doing. You're running the company. You're all have, you're all grown up now. You don't need me. And I said, no, mom, you're wrong. We need you. But, uh, she, she was a wonderful woman and, uh, and, uh, really helped keep my dad grounded and, and, and they worked so well together, but yeah, she was great. Wow. Crystal Zimmerman. Sounds like she, she knows your mom, knew your mom. Maybe I don't, I don't know who she is, but uh, oh. <laughs> you know what, even yeah. today I'll run into people and they'll ask me my name, you know, I'll go into a store. Oh, here's a real quick story for you. Uh, if you got time. Yeah, so, sure. I ran into this gentleman and he goes, I got a story about your dad. Do you want to hear it? And I go, yes, that's fine. And he goes, I was your dad's banker, business banker. Wow. He goes, I want to tell you a story about your father. He goes, uh, your dad needed a business loan for some new equipment. And he came in and he goes, your dad was very short with his time. He said, this is how much money, this is how much, you know, I'm willing to, as far as, you know, finance it for, and these are the terms and everything, have the paperwork ready because I don't like to wait. <laughs> and so, and so he goes, I remember your dad coming in to the bank the day to sign those papers. And he goes, you know, the back in the days, the, the loans were, you know, like two inches thick. And he goes, I, I sat down with your dad and I, and I asked your dad, your dad was just going to sign them. And he, I go, Hal, don't you want to read through these loan papers? 
And he goes, your dad looked at me. I'll never forget about what your dad said. He goes, he looked at me and he said, if everything that we talked about is not in these documents, this will be the last time we ever do business together. And your dad signed them and left. (laughs) And he goes, I'll never forget that about obviously that your dad trusted me and he expected me to be honest and upright. And he goes, Basically, the the idea was your dad said you can get me once, but you're not going to get me again, you know. So, if if what we talked about isn't in there, this will be the last time we do business together. That is so incredible, man. That's so incredible. And I still get people. I run into people. Well, like when my dad passed away, people would come up and say, "Hey, you know," and we didn't know about any of this. As uh, the kids didn't, the siblings, you know, people would walk up to us and say, "Hey, I was on hard times. Your dad bought me a car." Uh, I was on hard times. Your dad helped me pay my house payments. Your dad put my son through college. Your dad paid for my son and her daughter's mis- church missions and things like that. We had no idea that they did any of this stuff, but they were just super, super generous. And, uh, and, and they were just amazing examples and role models. And Do you find yourself carrying over any of their, their traditions in your life? Like, yeah. yeah, my dad had two or three charities that he would time into. Um, and then I'm, uh, actively involved in those right now on the boards. Awesome. So, uh, yeah, cool. people tell me I got my dad's, my dad's heart, you know, a good heart and a giving heart, but I hope, I hope my, I live longer than 72. My dad had heart issues, but I think part of his is that he just, he just worked, 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 worked. Um, he never really took time to eat properly and to exercise as much as he should have. Uh, in fact, one time, uh, my dad and I and my brother, we were out riding our Harley Davidsons. We pulled up into a gas station and my dad just passed out and fell over. And oh. so the EMTs come over and my dad wakes up inside this little 7-Eleven type of store, right? Yeah. The first thing out of my dad's mouth was, what happened to the bike? Is it dented? <laughs> my brother and I are like, dad, you could buy 30 new Harleys. Well, tell me if it's dented. We're like, dad, it's not dented. He's all mad about the dent in the bike, you know? So then the, the EMTs and the police are like talking to my dad. <laughs> and, uh, they go, "How? what's going on? He goes, nothing, you know? I was, just, I was just riding and I passed out. And they go, well, so the EMT goes, when was the last time you ate? My dad goes, oh, about two days ago. Oh, goes, my God. He goes, he goes, what? And he goes, eating's a waste of time. I'm having too much fun. So anyway, <laughs> his blood sugar was all messed up. So the EMT guy goes, Hal, would you do me a favor and have a Coke right here and eat wow. a candy? Oh, yeah, I'll do that. And as soon as he, you know, 15 minutes later, man, he's back on his bike. Boom, off he goes, you know. Oh, but my gosh. It's <laughs> just some funny, funny experiences with him. Just go, go, go. And, and he just had fun in life. And, and he just didn't. He wanted to see it all, do it all, and and the guy had nine lives, and he used them all up. And I don't think my dad, if he was alive today, he wouldn't change anything. He he lived life to the fullest, 100 miles an hour. He had nice fast cars and fast bikes, and he just went, you know, wow. miles an hour, and sold a lot of ladders. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you got time for one more story? I have, we have all the time in the world, man. Well, yeah. Dad's in my dad's in New Orleans, Louisiana. He's got a van full of ladders, and uh, he's coming out of the convention center, in you know, in New Orleans, and it's late. And him and another salesman they get pulled over by these two policemen, and the policeman says, "What's in the van?" My dad goes, "Ladders," and the guy goes, "I guess they were having problems with people stealing stuff back then." And 
And the, the guy, the policeman said, well, whose ladders are they? And my dad goes, they're mine. And he goes, do you have a receipt for your ladders? Can you prove that they're yours? And he goes, no, I can't prove it, but they're mine. So there's an older policeman and the younger policeman and the young, the older policeman says, well, we're going to have to go downtown if you can't prove that these are your ladders. So the salesman looks at my dad and said, how just show him? So they go around to the back of the van. They open it up. My dad takes the ladder out. He flips it through all the configurations. And the younger policeman looks at the older policeman and says, these have to be his ladders. There's no way this guy knows how to do that, you know, if he just stole these ladders. So anyway, the funny part of this story is the younger policeman was a part-time painter and he oh. bought a ladder at midnight from my dad right there in the back of the van in New Orleans. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is hilarious. Of yeah. course he did. It sounds <laughs> like your dad could have sold ice to Eskimos, man. That is incredible. Oh, yeah incredible salesman yeah and just he just he was just so good with people you know and he just took an interest in people and wow and had such a good attitude he was so positive he was i never saw my dad down i mean honestly i never saw my dad even through all the hard times in the business he would always say we're gonna make it through this uh we're gonna don't worry well and he was you know i mean i'm like my mom i'm kind of a worrier i I'm a saver. I'm not really a risk taker. My brother's a risk taker. So we kind of balance each other out. But, but, uh, anyway, he was just, he was just full of life and. Dude, and, that's so awesome. Yeah. Let, let me ask you, I, I have, I have two questions. My, my first question is for you and your perspective, your opinion, in your opinion, mm-hmm. what do you think holds people back in life from ex- from experiencing true success and abundance and and joy and happiness well i think and i was listening to earl nightingale this morning before oh, I got here yeah just positive i think honestly that people are just they just don't have the confidence to do things that they could do and my dad, that's one thing that my dad really instilled in us was that we could do anything that we wanted to do if we put in enough work, hard work and dedication and had a good attitude. And he was just so good at and, and worked hard enough. And, and so I, I guess my and don't give up. I, I think that people sell themselves short and they can do anything that they want to. If they, if they do the right things, which is basically you've got to have a goal. You've got to put that goal in front of yourself every day. Yeah. You've got to have faith. You've got to have hard work. And if you'll do those things and never give up, you will be a success. And also success isn't just about money. And money does not buy happiness. Uh, I have been blessed with a lot of things and those things do not bring true happiness. So for me, if you'll take time to serve other people, help other people, look for ways to what to do and you know, that you can bless people with, uh, those things bring true happiness, but don't give up. And if you think about the story of little giant, there were so many times when my dad could have just said, you know what, I can quit. I, what am I doing this for? I can go sell life insurance for any other company and I can make a lot of money uh, yeah. because he was a good salesman. But 
his idea was I'm going to build a business that's going to bless other people that I can bless other people with the resources that I'm going to receive, that I can give people opportunity. And so that was really the vision behind my dad was that not to get rich. He never, that was never his plan, but to make a place that we could work as a family and then other people could work and then bless the lives of others. If, if I, if, if your dad was, was sitting here right now and I was interviewing both of you, which would be really cool. Um, he wouldn't sit this long though, would he? <laughs> no, he, he would come into meetings and he, my dad, I think my dad had ADD, you know, but, uh, but he just didn't have the patience. Yeah. He, he yeah. would come in for like 10 minutes and be like, oh, okay, I've heard everything I need to hear. Yeah. Um, if I asked him the same question, what do you, th if I said, how, what do you think holds people back from, from success and joy and happiness in life? What, what, what do you think his answer would be? I think it'd be pretty similar. I, I think that honestly, self-belief, uh, you know, the confidence, the guy had more confidence than anybody I've ever met and he wasn't afraid to fail. He was a risk taker and he, you know, he, he would always say, you're never, ever a failure until you quit. And the guy would not quit. And so I, I think that if you look at successful people like yourself, like Jeffrey, like, you know, so many other people, you know, find something that you're good at and yeah. um, do the best, be the best person you can be at that. And you will be a success. And uh, but for my dad, the philosophy was all about if you'll build people and help them have opportunities uh, then you're going to be successful. And the guy was unbelievable with people. He, people remembered him. Uh, I was at a car show the other day, uh, a few months ago and, and I was next to this, these people and they found out who I was and they go, your dad was incredible. They had met my dad at car shows. They, I run into people all the time that just said, your dad was so good to us. So nice to us, treated us amazing. He did this for us. He just took time to talk to us. He was just you know, he was a people person. He loved people and he tried to build people and help people. What's the, and, and so you say right now you, I mean, what, and I don't know if this is even for public knowledge or not, but what is the, the height of the, <laughs> no pun intended, but what, what's the heights that your company reached like uh, hundreds of millions, billions? Do, uh, is it not billions yet, but you said, well, you, well, you made a statement when we were just at 20 million. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, you know how many companies would love to be just at 20 million, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. Like, you know, so it sounds like you guys have reached some pretty big. Yeah. I think we're the third largest ladder company now. Um, in the world. I think so. Yeah. So we're international now. We, we do a lot of manufacturing in, in the U S we do some overseas, but that's coming back. Uh, and, uh, we're bringing a lot of jobs back to the U S so most of our, most of it is, you know, done here, but, but yeah, the company's grown. It's, it's a, it's doing well. And, uh, I think one of the hardest parts for, for a little giant right now is as we grow, you know, when we used to have 20 employees, now we have 450 or whatever it is, something like that is to keep that culture. You know, you gotta, you, you've got to keep that family, uh, the feeling of family and the feeling of, uh, hey, you know, we know everybody, we we love everybody, we we treat them like they're, you know, our family members. And, and we, we can't ever lose that culture that my dad and mom started as, 
is that we we love and care about everybody and we treat them good and help them be successful and then we continue to be successful ourselves i love 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 <laughs> the story doug i love what you and your brother are doing you know if you look at at what sam walton built and then he passed away and I, i'm not i'm not picking on him but things aren't the same, <laughs> you know, they're just not the same. So a lot of times, you know, when the second or third generation comes along in a business, they, they look at the, the numbers only and, and you and your brother, it does not sound like you guys are doing that. You're, you're, you're keeping the same culture. I, I love that. Well, one of the neat things about little giant is it's, a unique, I mean, it's a small thing we do, but every person that works there gets their birthday out with pay. Now, it's just a small little thing, right? Yeah. One yeah. of the things that makes the company unique and different. And, um, okay, here's another story for you real quick. Yeah. So we had an employee, a really good employee, uh, made some bad decisions financially, came into us and said, I'm going to lose my house. I've made some oh. foolish decisions. Is there any way you guys can help me out? Now, okay, Ken, what would most companies say to that? No. Yeah, no, we're not a bank, right? We're your employer. So this is when my dad was alive. My dad says, hey, this this employee is an awesome employee. Isn't there anything we can do about it? So we sat down as a management team and said, hey, guess what? This employee gets quarterly bonuses. And he hits his bonuses every every quarter. Yeah. My dad goes, my dad goes, give him the money, save his house. We gave him the money saved his house, he paid us back. Now, you tell me any employee that's going to do that for their employee, any employer that's going to do that for their employees, doesn't exist. So those, those are the types of things that, that, and guess what? That guy still works for us today. His brother works for us. So anyway, um, wow. those, those are some of the things that my dad did and that we continue to try to do for, for people that work for us. I, I wish that every single business owner in the world would watch this interview and listen to this because I, I, it's so important. You know, you walk into, I was talking, um, I was talking, I think it was Sunday. I was talking about, there's a restaurant chain here in the Midwest called Bob Evans mm -hmm. and, and, um, we were sitting at the one here in our little town outside of Columbus. And, and this, this woman was running this little vacuum thing around the tables. And, and I, I just, I, she, and you could just see the happy energy on her, right? Like she was just joyful. And, and mm -hmm. I said, you know, um, this place is incredible. Your service, like th this is the best Bob Evans I've ever been in. Like, and she goes, well, that's why we're number one in the nation. I said, what? And she said, we are, and she bring the, and, and this was the general manager of the whole place running the vacuum. She wasn't sitting in an office counting numbers or it was just absolutely. And that's, that's what it sounds like you guys have built is you've built this, this, this culture that, that everybody there is like, Hey, we're family. We got to make this work. We have deadlines. We got to make it work. We have to make this shipment. We have to make it work. Like it, it, it's incredible, man. Yeah. Well, it's, I don't know if you've ever been out West and been to in and out burger. Oh yeah. Okay. So 
what's the difference between walking into an In-N-Out burger and the way that the employees interact with you and then going to McDonald's? <laughs> yeah. now, now think about this for a minute. I say. What's the difference? It can, what? The in and out, they're nice. They're very nice and friendly and happy. And they hire happy people. Not so much. Their, their training must be incredible, right? And they pay their employees well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've, met, I've met several managers who make and they make big money, but they they are treated very well. They love the company, and the company treats them well. And it shows the way they interact with you and the way they treat you. It's true. It's true. That's why you can't go into an in and out burger and not you, like you're never in and out. <laughs> you're in and you wait because there's always, they're always packed. Yeah. The food's great, but the employees are really special. They are. And, and that <clears throat> to me makes a big difference. It does. <clears throat> huh? it talking does. too much. <laughs> you're not used to talking this much. And my wife said, I got a big mouth. She said for, I like to talk too much. This is, dude. This has been awesome, and I can't wait to come out and and uh, take you up on your your invitation. Come out and now you didn't know I'm a golfer, so oh, well then you can teach me how to golf. <laughs> yeah. I only have one hole in one. That's it. I've never had a hole in one. I've come really close many times. Never yeah. had one. So but we can. I want to do the dirt bike thing if you still want to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Something that your listeners may not know is that Jim Rohn was a big dirt bike rider. Even in his older age in Idaho, he would ride dirt bikes. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. He loved them. I'm friends with Kyle Wilson, who was Jim Rohn's business partner for 18 I years. That because Jim Rohn, he talked about it. I've listened to most of his, a lot of his different talks and things, audio, you know, stuff. And he talked about dirt bikes. I was like, hey, Awesome. He's right dirt bikes as well. Yeah. So yeah, I love dirt bike. I love it. I've done it my whole life. Well, I, I told you I had a bad accident years and years and years ago, and I haven't been on a bike since then, but I, I need to get back into it. I love it. Yeah. We'll take it easy when you come out. Don't worry. Look, look, my wife said, OMG, Doug, he will never come home. <laughs> I don't know about that. I'll probably be back on. So, um, anyway, Hey, Doug, thank you so much, man, for coming on and, and, and blessing everybody watching with your time and amazing stories about your dad and your family. And yeah, we could go on forever. I've got, you know, my dad was writing a book when he passed away and <clears throat> I've talked to Jeffrey about this, uh, we never did finish that book. And Jeffrey said he could help me do this somebody, book. Somebody up here, I'm looking through the comments. Somebody asked if, oh, here, Ray Campbell, have you all written a book on your, uh, on your dad's life? No, but we've thought, you know, like I said, he, he did have a book that he was, had started and there was a professor at Brigham Young University that was helping him do it. And, he said, "Hey, I'll help you finish this, but uh, it would be it, it would take me a while. But I've thought about it, and, and uh, it, it'd, be, it'd be a bestseller overnight. And yeah, I'd help he, you get there. He was gonna. It was gonna be titled Ladders I Have Climbed.' I think was gonna be the. I love that. Yeah, it was gonna be the 
the title of the book. So, you know, a funny thing about my dad in the infomercial, they had this big script for him and they yeah. said, memorize this true story on the first infomercial. And he goes, he just threw it back to him and he goes, nope, get the cameras rolling. I know exactly what to say. And we did it all just off the cuff. That's so awesome, man. Incredible. Yeah. Doug Wing, thank you so much, man. I appreciate you. You're you're incredible. Thank you, Ken. I appreciate the opportunity to. You know what? My dad was really the the mastermind behind this whole thing. That we just learned from him. He was amazing, and we're just blessed to to know him and to to keep that uh, that tradition going and his legacy. I appreciate it very much. So awesome. I want to say thank you to everybody who's been on here and shared this out and, and for all the wonderful comments, Doug, you'll have to go back and look at some of the comments. Um, people love you, your dad and, and the story that you just told. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. We'll see you guys all tomorrow. Thanks so much for coming on, Doug. I appreciate your time. Thank you. All right. See you later. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.